Hello, um, I'm Robert Eggers, writer and director of The Witch, and welcome to the commentary. Um, here we have all the various production companies and investors, of which there are many. <laughs> Enjoy. tried to put a, a lot of black after all that so that you could forget about it. <laughs> um, and coming up here, uh, the, the witch title with the double V is something that people often find confusing or questionable, but uh, you often see uh, in large typefaces from the period uh, two Vs used instead of a W. Um, and I found a Jacobean witch pamphlet that said the Vivavitch like that, and I, I thought it was nice and transportive. Leaving our country. This meeting house was built uh, in a derelict lumber mill in northern Ontario in the town of Mattawa, where we were shooting. We uh, originally wanted to shoot in New England, but for uh, tax incentives and other financial reasons, we ended up shooting in Northern Ontario, which worked out very well for many reasons, which I'll probably talk about later. Uh, we're introduced to our family. I cannot be judged by false Christians, for I have done nothing, say preach Christ. You'll notice uh, soon that the men and the women are divided. Uh, um, in the meeting house, uh, which is correct to the period. But you'll see in this next shot that there's some small boys that actually would have been standing with the women uh, in, in the 1630s in this kind of Calvinist Puritan meeting house. But uh, uh, because we had so few settlers, I wanted to distribute the sexes uh, completely so that that would be more clear. On the far left is our line producer, Brian Campbell. He had a good puritanical face, so uh, he got cast as uh, that judge. Catherine. Thomason. This this is in Massachusetts, uh, one of the few shots in Massachusetts. Uh, this is a recreation of these kinds of buildings. They don't exist anymore. Um, uh, we uh, built those gates. If the shot lasted any longer, you'd see that that's the exact length of the gates. <laughs> we couldn't afford anymore. So, um, you, you know, a lot of people wonder why the family is, is has been banished or... Uh, is deciding to banish themselves or whatever is going on. It, basically, there are many different kinds of Puritans in, in, uh, in this period, and the, the, the way we talk about it now, the two most basic kinds are Puritans who wanted to purify the Church of England and Separatists who wanted to separate entirely from the Church of England. And the Plymouth Pilgrims uh, who, um, you know, had the... Uh, alleged first Thanksgiving, uh, they wanted to separate entirely, but the Massachusetts Bay Colony were, were Puritans. And so William is a separatist who's come to a Puritan settlement, at least that's the way I see it. And he's 
more more pious uh, than than them, and uh, is probably ridiculing everyone in the community. You can see all these mosquitoes and black flies. It was really miserable shooting this. Uh, we were all dressed like beekeepers, and uh, this is one of the few scenes where the kids were crying. Uh, Jonas played by Lucas in particular <laughs> because of all the bugs. He was a good sport. Mark Corvin's great score and the Element Choir uh, doing a good job there. This is the first shot we shot. Uh, there was another angle that we did that looked better than this. The DP, Jaron Blaschke, and Craig Lathrop, the production designer, preferred it, but I liked this one because it looked more miserable. Uh, <laughs> and I'd love my work. Disobedient to my parents. Anya Taylor-Joy, who plays Thomason, uh, brings a, a lot of mystery and enigma to the role. Uh, we always want to know what she's thinking. We're very drawn in by her face, but it's hard to know exactly what's going on in there, which I think helps create some of the tension in the film. Mercy, uh, there, the young daughter, is making rush lights, uh, dipping, dipping. Uh, Grass rushes into wax, and here you see everyone on the farm at work. Um, those, the the way they've gathered the corn into a corn shock like that is is not uh, necessarily period accurate, but um, it's I iconic New England harvest, uh, and there are reasons why I think it's it's plausible that the family might have done that. And that's a bread oven on the on the right there. And you can see that their gardens are not doing too well. I also like the, the barn that William hasn't quite finished thatching. Boo! <laughs> Originally, the, the, the first drafts started with this scene with peekaboo um and and we knew even less about the family um it it would have made for a very good uh jarring opening but i think in the end we decided we, we needed more scope and more understanding of the family's past When this first screened for an audience at Sundance, there was a nice gasp there. I was very pleased about. I also liked the bushes and grass that was all maneuvered by Luke and Donnie in special effects, tying a fishing line to twigs and things. And that is actually Tracy Loader, our uh, makeup artist, as the witch in that one shot, <laughs> and this one too. Uh, this was also um, shot in the derelict lumber mill. Um, Craig Lathrop, Craig made an incredible um, witch's hovel with so much detail. He really dug into all the reference materials of all the medieval and early modern 
paintings and engravings of all the kinds of clay pots and things that witches would have. But of course you see none of it <laughs> because it's so dark, but it was really, which, which I mean, it needed to be that mysterious. We, we couldn't see these things, but, uh, but it was a really, a really cool set. A major issue for the uh, post effects guys was erasing modesty garments, uh, which happens quite a bit in this film. Uh, this particular uh, shot uh, was uh, troubling for for many, and I think that those nice CG guys in, in Toronto will forever hate me because of that shot. And here, you know, she's ground the baby's entrails into an ungent that will uh, help her fly. Uh, there's lots of literature and in, in contemporary literature uh, of witches making these kinds of flying ungents. And it was the belief uh, that evil witches, you know, the, the active ingredient to, to, to make them be able to fly on their sticks was the entrails of an unbaptized babe. And... Uh, You'll notice she flies on a, on a stick and not a broomstick. Uh, witches weren't really flying on broomsticks in England and New England until into the, until like the 18th century. They usually refer to sticks as poles, however, in the period sources. You'll see that in Salem a lot. I wish there was more dust floating in the air here. We... It's, on set, it looked like we had way too much dust going, but here it, it doesn't read much. I like this scene. It feels good. You can smell the world. I like the intimacy of it. So... A lot of hard work with Louise Ford, the editor, uh, piecing this together. Also, um, with the the sound design that first started with Lou and I, and then uh, Adam Stein and Oris, the mixer. It was it was quite difficult because we had to get all these really quiet, subtle sounds uh, of breathing and nightmares and footsteps, but then hear. Catherine crying downstairs and praying downstairs in a very clear way um, w without having it feel like she's in the room with them or, or for us to think that Thomason is the one who's crying and praying. So it was very complicated. I also really, really like Thomason's hemp blanket there. I, I, it turned out to be a rental. I wish that it wasn't because I, I wanted to take it home. That stepladder, the rungs of it were from a, just a barn salvage, and that then they and they milled them to make those rungs, and they discovered that it was actually tiger maple, which is a very expensive kind of wood that was used for this ladder, which is kind of funny. Love Harvey's face. I love everyone's face. <laughs> in this film but you just you always feel the weight of the world on Harvey's shoulders he's just such an earnest guy talk about faces Caleb. 
and and Ralph Einson's voice that is the best voice in the Western world. <laughs> it is no ease to rise on a gray day. The devil holds fast your eyelids. This was a scene that we actually reshot uh, as a as a oneer. And I thought it was brilliant when we reshot it. I, for some reason, I thought that this shot, reverse shot here was uh, too television and kind of lazy filmmaking. And so we we did a, a one-er a, a week later and that I thought was just the best thing, but it didn't work. Um, we needed to be more intimate and with the characters. Left of the wood. Craig Lathrop did did that corn rot himself. There was lots of attempts at how to make corn rotten. A lot of the corn actually is rotten. We had to buy the corn uh, well ahead of time. We shot this in March, and we had to buy the corn the previous the previous fall in order to have the corn. So we kept it in storage, um, and then and then set it all up. So there is some real uh, fungus on the corn. This is the worst shot in the film. I hate it. Sucks. Jaron, the DP, hates it even more. Sorry, Jaron. Uh, it is Massachusetts, though. But we, we, when we were doing our retakes and pickups, we just uh, we didn't have the time to scout a, a landscape for just one shot, and that's the best we could do with the location that we had, unfortunately. It just, it's not expansive enough. Craig and uh, Mary Kirkland, the set decorator, did such a great job with this interior. I spent so much time researching the, the world of the 17th century and had such a clear idea of the house, but they exceeded my expectations. I cried when I saw it for the first time, dressed. <laughs> Kate's so powerful there. She's uh, the most emotionally connected actress. I mean, she's just, she can't have anything but a truthful moment on screen. And that was, uh, I mean, she gave 110% to that and take after take. I mean, she's, she's something else. It's really powerful. This is a great shot, something that, you know, Jaron very much had in his head for, for a long time. Um, and uh, though he wanted the camera even higher, but there is problems with getting the crane out into the woods and a lot of confusion. But uh, so much of this film was laying down tons and tons of dolly track in the woods. Uh, I mean, that was just constant 40, 60, 80 feet all the time. Um, on very uneven ground. The, you know, the grips put up with a lot of torture. <laughs> this location was very hard to get to. This is, as written in the screenplay, this location's written like this, and I was very happy <laughs> to find it, but it was very hard to get to. And, uh, and uh, later on, when we need to bring the horse down in there, it was quite frightening, in fact. Was, was Sam newborn a sinner? Aye. I might then... We pray he hath entered God's kingdom. 
What wickedness hath he done? Place faith in God, Caleb. We'll speak no more on that, brother. Why? He hath disappeared, not one week past. Yet you and mother utter not his name. He is gone, Caleb. Tell me. Tell thee what? I would not have wanted yeah. to have uh, been a, a Puritan. Predestination's a, a, a rough thing, a hard thing to wrap your head around, and uh, clearly Caleb's having a, a hard time with predestination and, and, and original sin here and the, the fate of his brother. It's interesting, too, you know, a lot of times people wonder why aren't they just looking for the baby a week has actually passed since the baby disappeared, but also, um, you know, you were instructed to not make close attachments with your children until after the age of four in, in this period because they might die so easily. And I think that the, 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 the danger within the wood would, would be, you know, if, if, if William died looking for the baby, then the whole family would, you know... Hi. So, uh, times were hard. This was shot in Massachusetts. We wanted uh, some more Thomason in this section. This is also Massachusetts. I love all the lichen on the trees. It was uh, in, in in southern New Hampshire where I'm from. It, that's it, it's like that in the forest all the time. It wasn't quite as damp uh, where we were shooting in Canada, so there's not quite as much of the lichen. Fowler, Fowler, what's this? Fowler's not the right breed of dog, uh, but what, what can you do? That, that hair, her name is Dizzy. Um, she had a 16-year-old trainer who was fantastic. Dizzy was very cooperative and, uh, you know, did take after take after excellent uh, takes. Very pleased with Dizzy. Um, and if you Google hair and witch, uh, you'll you'll understand what that's all about. This was a, a very difficult scene to shoot with the goat. Every scene with the goat was very difficult to shoot. Um, I criticized Charlie a lot. I think that the thing is, Charlie, you know, I don't know if you can train a goat. I just don't know if you can. I think Charlie was really cooperative. We did tons of takes with Charlie. Uh, you know, but he just didn't do um, what what was needed. Maybe we were too demanding. Maybe that was the problem. But it was uh, it was very trying. Very trying. Like this shot a lot. I like Linda Muir did a lot of research in understanding how the, the, the hair would have been done underneath their coifs, their, their bonnets. 
And I liked all those, the details of the tape through the hair. Here, the, you know, the goat is on a, a leash uh, to keep it from, you know, getting to the children, but that's been CG'd out. Occasionally, goat wrangler's hands have been CG'd out. Oh. And Ralph hurt himself quite badly, actually, on that fall. <laughs> there is a, a, a line here saying something like, it's only dung. That uh, was great in the script, but never really seemed to, to, to work. I really love the twins in this scene. Help him. Upstaging everything, playing around in the mud. I mean, this is, you know, how they were. Give me such a fright to find thee gone. I'll not be left here alone. Just there. Morning's work is well behind hand. Jonas, leave thy sister be. The uh, the goat shed is uh, is thatched uh, like all the the other buildings, uh, and. Plymouth Plantation, where we did a lot of research. Uh, when I was a kid, they had thatched goat sheds, and now they have clobbered roofs on the goat sheds. And I wondered why the, the change. But during the course of the shoot, the goats kept eating all the thatch off the roof. They, like, kept eating it. And there you can see they're actually eating the, f the fences. So uh, that is why you put... Uh, you don't have a thatch roof on your, your goat shed. So, so I learned. Tell me. Father wanted a surprise to cheer you, and... but there were none. I thought I'd seen him. I like you not outside the farm, even to the valley. Just hear me. Go, lad. Be a good lad and get some water for the mother. Straight out from the brook. Um, Ralph Einson lost 30 pounds to play William, uh, doing yoga, not eating, uh, and chopping a lot of wood. And uh, we were all very proud of his wood chopping uh, in, in this scene. And there was basically any time Ralph was chopping wood, we cheered every time he <laughs> chopped a log. <laughs> This location is really great. This is one of the few locations that really exceeded my expectations. I really liked it, but the um, shoreline didn't suit the blocking, so uh, the art department had to to build it out uh, and dress it. Um, uh, you know, which 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 took a lot of work. Josh Bradford was our on-set dresser, and he was constantly running around doing everything all the time, and the film would have fall apart falling apart without him but uh we you know it was it was quite a it was quite a to do actually one of the producers didn't know that uh, the short shoreline was partially false and he stepped on a weak point and fell in and, and, and totally submerging himself which was rather funny um really like harvey in this scene this is one of my favorite harvey scenes it's really uh real and this was a difficult shot uh, this it was all very marshy here and 
you know, we were, the dolly was literally sinking and uh, Greg Murray, the dolly grip really kept everyone safe, but it was, it was pretty, pretty scary at times to tell you the truth. Um, and this was another location that again was quite difficult to get to and uh, was a big operation to get the dolly uh, down into this. And th this scene was also one of the early audition scenes. Um, so it's fun to see how it took shape and to see Ellie here as Mercy really chewing up the scenery with, uh, you know, her audition performance, taking it to new levels. I, it's also, this is a really nice scene for Linda's costumes. It's something about the light is great with the details, but... I don't know. I, I just I, I like I like Thomason's look there, but I also just I love how Ellie just looks like an old woman, uh, you know, a tiny old woman. The way that she's been dressed, it's it's very eerie. And it's you know, I mean, you were expected to pretty much behave as an adult after the age of seven in in this culture. So it was a witch mercy. You speak right. And it was this scene where Anya auditioned that I realized that, you know, Anya was the only person who could play this role. I was trying to coax this kind of performance out of all the extremely talented young women who auditioned, and Anya, the first time around, just did this. And it, it was, it's clear to me that Anya couldn't be a Puritan, and and she had just, just like a real interesting strength, inner strength about her that Thomason needed, and... Uh, I mean, she's just great. Make any man or thing else vanish I like. No. Aye. And I'll vanish thee too if thou displeaseth me. Be quiet. Mercy. She's but telling fantasies. A chance I'll boil and bake thee. Since we're a lack of food. It was hard for Anya to <laughs> attack Ellie. <laughs> but Ellie was a, is so professional. So, so professional. Such a good sport. Stop thy tears and swear thy silence. I swear. You'll not tell mother nor father. A little bit of green grass spring poking out there. <laughs> we were constantly running around picking buds off of the tag alders, all the little trees around here. I don't like this shot. We, I mean, I like it, but we right here we should be in a in a two shot, um, medium two shot with the two of them and kept kept it more intimate. And then after Caleb leaves, then we should have gone to this shot. It's it's uh, bad storytelling. It's it's too austere. Um, but we just we ran out of time and. And, uh, like, that's effective, and that's a good cut to the next shot. Yeah, that's great, but uh, we, we, I really wish we had that, that two-shot to keep the, the story more engaged at that moment. faith in the promise of the gospel, our fear of thy name, and the hatred of all our sins, that we may be assured that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. This, this scene is shot more like the meeting house uh, in these singles, very ordered, um, you know, a... Uh, uh, a family is a little church, a little commonwealth, is, is the saying from the period, and so we were trying to emulate that here. You also see the sexes um, separated, uh, women on one side, men on the other. I mean, uh, that's the sexes, all right. <laughs> and, and here they're eating unleavened bread uh, made from the cornmeal, uh, from, their, from the, their corn. This was a scene that cut 
pretty easily. I, I didn't change too much from the first assembly. Uh, just kind of tightening the pace up a bit. It's like the one with the silver cup. It's not on the shelf. And I, I, uh, I like the sound design in this scene very much. Where we feel the the presence of nature, it was very crucial to always feel the presence of nature. I did a proof of concept short called Brothers. It was a Cain and Abel story, and Jaron uh, shot it, and Louise Ford edited edited it. Jody Redman uh, produced it. You know, it was uh, something we were all doing together to try to understand how to make this film and uh, the the sound designers on the short Damien Volpe and Matt Rocker and, and Colin Chinchar who did the Foley and location work we that, a lot of the sound work in that which had no musical score um, informed what Adam Stein and the rest of the sound team in Canada uh, did on this film uh, and and also the you know the work that Lou and I do together I mean we, we do lots of very careful sound work uh, in the offline. Caleb. Well, I'll read out a chapter of the word tonight. We must find Small detail, you can house. see William's doublet that had been washed, drying by the fire. I like that you, when he says we're well, a day of fast, uh, a fast day. Jonas nods his head in affirmation. He was listening very hard. <laughs> That's a great thing about a six-year-old is you know sometimes they're just they believe it. Uh, it's a nice little button on the scene. This was a this I I think this looks real nice. Um, the art. Our uh, budget didn't allow for the kind of exterior night lighting we would have wanted, so this was really Jaron and Mila Patricki, the colorist, doing a, a ton of work to just crush the highlights um, and, and bring up this lantern and do very, very careful work with power windows. And, and I think it's subtle, and I think it's nice. I think they did a really, really great job, and it was, it was not easy. Um, here you can see that there's they probably you know, they wouldn't have had one candle in there not three but we're you know trying to get as much light as we can out of these things also kate the props master did a wonderful job making those horned the panes of horn uh, on that lantern look look like horn but also making them uh, trans transparent enough that we could get light I'll also note that these candles are meant to look like lumpy tallow candles that would have been hand dipped and made from animal fat and we have uh three wicks in the candles so that they give more exposure it's a very common movie trick it's not like we you know they've been doing that forever but but uh it certainly helped us out something that jaron and i did first on a short film of uh, of mine the telltale heart this scene we also shot on the first day, and and I'm I, their relationship is really beautiful here, and it's nice to see the love in their relationship, and, and how I mean something that may not be accurate, but is something that you can't help but think about as a modern person, is you kind of feel like these are sort of modern people trying to be modern people within the context of this uh, 
exotic old-fashioned mindset and or, or something but but we it was important for us to see the love and and i think you really feel that here and both of both ralph and kate are such good generous kind giving people uh that you know no matter what poor choices they make i feel like we're really that 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 part of their heart or their souls to sound precious like comes through on screen so even though williams saying this stuff that's pretty horrible <laughs> to hear like we we understand that he's trying to make the best choices and um and i you know this this is it was a pretty long page count for a a, a, a oneer but and we shot this i think the first day but I remember watching the rushes and thinking, wow, this is engaging. I mean, these guys are great, and I am so into this scene. So I'm, I'm very, very pleased. And I mean, I, Jaron uh, was crying, I remember, when, we were, when they did the first uh, uh, on-set rehearsal. He was crying because of uh, their performance. So, uh, but maybe we were all a little lack of sleep. <laughs> I love that. A piece of wood that's holding the curtains together. That's a really nice touch. And this is one of the. This is really one of the best shots. Uh, we we hit a candle behind Harvey. Maybe another one behind Anya to give a little bit more fill in the room, a little bit more depth. I wish that uh, we that was used as a publicity still more because I think it's a really nice one. And here's another scene that was very difficult with the sound because we have to hear what they're saying downstairs, but it needs to sound far away. Uh, but there's really crucial plot uh, points here, uh, so it was um, it was it was very very hard to mix. Love that shot. Love that blink. Really, like, you know, every one of Anya's takes was pretty damn usable. It's just sort of what, what texture of Thomason do you need? Sometimes I wish we'd CG'd her earring holes out. But maybe that's getting insane. I don't know. This horse uh bert it, you'll notice has no male genitals and was uh a lady and uh her name was lady she's a beautiful english shire horse uh really one of the most beautiful damn horses i've ever seen and uh she is the correct kind of breed uh, horse whereas our goats uh are incorrect Arapawa, which is a goat that's feral in New Zealand now that English settlers brought there, is sort of the closest thing to um, the goats that would have been brought over by the settlers in or, you know, the 1620s and 1630s. I promise thee. This scene was a little lumpy in the script, and I did a bunch of last-minute rewrites, and uh, Annie and Harvey both were struggling with it and I, I was kind of saying no you don't understand the subtext and and I, and and I finally realized that they actually understood the scene a lot better than I did and uh, rewrote it around uh, their suggestions it was a nice little weird 
sound cue. I love the fairy taleness of this shot. The gun is just way too damn big for him. <laughs> so, yeah, so here, uh, the, it was too dangerous to bring the horse down. Uh, uh, we tried, and Lady was really struggling, so Jeff uh, Brownell, the uh, second AD, uh, Annie was actually sitting on his shoulders in that in that shot. Um, yeah, fun fact. Here we have a little bit of sun for one of the only scenes with sun, uh, one of the only happy moments in, in the in the film. Sort of bittersweet, melancholy remembrances of the past. But uh, don't worry, everything turns crap again real soon. This was tough with the stunts in this scene. It was it was tough. I think that we had to. This is definitely a scene where like me and Jaren's strict blueprints didn't really work out, and was very much more like editing a scene and kind of like cobbling it together. Uh, I, I wish it were a little less like a '50s TV show. Um. If you were looking for your child in in the vast wilderness, you'd want to have a voice like that, let me tell you. I also love the kids tied up with the bells. That always gets a laugh. Uh, there's like, this film takes itself too damn seriously, so it's nice when people can laugh. This was a tough shot on Brian Gedge, the camera op. Uh, the ground is very uneven with a steady cam, and, 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 and uh, it was it was not easy. I think that that little ditty, I may have made that one up. Not might not be from a source, or it was maybe like a slightly adjusted thing from the New England primer. That was the real dog just breathing with a bunch of guts and blood on him. Learned that trick from Days of Heaven. These are supposed to be... Uh, these were all poplars that looked like birch trees most of the time. They were very white. But because it's not birch and poplar has, it doesn't have that paper bark, it had rained and it absorbed all the water and turned these trunks black. But the intention was that all of, the, all of these were supposed to look like white birch trees for all that sequence. But, oh well. Doesn't really matter. This this little this little shot these little two shots of of Caleb lost. Uh, Bo Ferris, the first AD, was watching this sequence cutting together and, and felt we needed a little more. And, and he was he was right. Uh, we we needed this moment. Thanks, Bo. This is cool. This is very dreamlike. I liked that crack, too, in the score that Corvin did. Uh, 
but this I have a lot of claustrophobic dreams of having to like climb through holes and feeling really trapped and I I I like this. It also reminds me of a lot of Hyman Bloom drawings uh, of the forests of Lubeck, Maine. Um, Hyman Hyman Bloom has is, is a, been a big inspiration to me, um, so I like that as well. And this was a, like a tough scene to shoot because we kept losing, like literally losing the gun and all that Glock. Another nice little fairy tale oh moment. Oh my God. Coming up soon is an even more fairy tale moment. <laughs> Where is thy brother? So, um, the 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 witch in her young, beautiful form here is um, played by Sarah Stevens, who's an Australian. Uh, swimsuit lingerie former victoria secret model um who was really great really kind really smart really uh easy to work with um i wanted to have a model here not just because i wanted someone who looked good but i we we didn't have a lot of time to shoot this scene because we were gonna have to shoot it in very low light near the end of the day and i'd worked as a prop stylist and a uh, set designer on, on a lot of fashion stuff over the years and and I knew that great models I mean it takes it's, it's a skill and if they have if they know how to be in character you don't have to direct them like an actor they just come in prepared and you can give them just like technical adjustments and things move really quickly um, and she's eerie and weird and uh, and uh, you know you you're you're compelled like Caleb is, but even though you know it's a, a bad idea, <laughs> uh, this whole sequence, while it's a cinematic cliche, uh, it, it was actually a recurring dream that I've had uh, as well. It was nerve-wracking for Harvey to kiss the Victoria's Secret model. This is his first kiss, uh, but he was proud in the end, and that was achieved uh, with the hand by hiding an elderly old woman under Sarah's red cloak uh, and uh, so that we didn't have to do phony makeup on her hand. I mean, Tracy uh, did a lot of beautiful texture uh, to um, the, the elderly woman's hand um, to really make all of the veins and arthritic nature of it more present, but, uh, but it, it, it's better than a big stupid rubber hand. Uh, to have it be a real a real hand. Uh, also, that that set. I mean, we 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 were we could we didn't know where we were shooting that, which is awful until the very last minute. It was very very stressful. They're burning uh, too many candles all the time in this film. The family would probably only burn one candle at a time if, or just have the fire going. Candles were. You know, expensive. I care not. They wouldn't be, but we, you know, we're just trying to create a little bit more, more depth. Let me find favor in your eyes, child. Tell me, not will. I am. Speak. I. I love how dainty all the belts are in this period. Even the men's belts are that same, like, you know, half inch to an inch 
uh, I don't know. That's just it. Just seems weird. You'd think William would need a big old, big, two and a half inch, three inch belt, but he's just got this small little belt. They also all have their knives and their pouches, which were called pockets, and the knives that were knives that they would use around the farm, but also used to eat with. Um, knives and spoons. They didn't uh, use forks back then, uh, and they're. Their pockets keep other little household things. It's a little too dark behind them. We we needed another light, which we set up uh, the next take so that we could get a little bit more depth and see the rain behind them. But their performances are so great this first take that it just didn't didn't matter. You cannot escape the walls. I will find him. And kill myself too. Well, John has been a man of the house. Will you damn all your family to death? Catherine! Kate's commitment really brought, you know, all the actors up. Uh, I mean, Ralph's performance is so damn good in this movie. And, and I think, you know, some of that is, is, is his admiration for Kate. I mean, damn. I mean... It's one of the few scenes where we see some tenderness with Thomason and, and, and Catherine. I wish that I had written one more scene uh, where there's some tenderness in their relationship. I think it does work and it helps the build to to the climax that we we need. But I think that it's a little it's a little one note, and I, I wish I wish that we had seen a little bit more tenderness early on to see how the relationship changed. Um, but, you know, it, the movie's only an hour and a half, so what can you do? I also love the way the little children are really listening in earnest in this scene. Here, Anya's humming the song, the, the psalm that Kate and the family sing as they're leaving in the cart, leaving the plantation early in the film. Fascinating, I know. Another scene where we're digitally erasing modesty garments. Uh, Harvey was wearing flesh-colored bike shorts. <laughs> But he was still plenty cold, let me tell you. He was a real good sport. And we had to do quite a few takes because the camera move was, was difficult to sync uh, with his actions. Uh, so thanks again, Harvey. And this is, this is a cool little atmospheric uh, one shot that, that, that works very, very well. Here, Catherine is making a, a poultice... Um, with some herbs and tallow uh, to sort of, um, you know, keep the sickness away. There's, she spreads some schmutz on that uh, rag that she's tying around him. Because of the, because of the way, I, you know, it doesn't really read, it's, it's who knows what she's doing, but I like the idea that she's practicing almost in a way like white magic, folk magic, in a way that she's not, She's not thinking about that, you know, and, and I kind of like that idea. And, and this here, uh, cutting into the temple, is, is sort of like, you know, b bleeding out the madness. 
bleeding out the madness. That actually is, I, I will admit, CG blood, and it looks damn fucking perfect. I have to, I have to tell you, we did a version with a blood tube and all this, and the CG, uh, they, they really nailed the hell out of that blood. This, along with the shot in the beginning where they're all uh, praying when they found the, the clearing where they're going to make the farm, was shot on a very ancient Panavision zoom lens that had a messed up motor. Uh, all the lenses we were shooting were, were pretty much were vintage. We had these vintage cooks from the 40s, but this Panavision uh, zoom lens was a nightmare. Like, it, it's, it's cool to have the old glass and the old characteristics, but good god like we had to do so many more takes anytime we were using that thing so there was always a problem with it this is a much longer lens than we tend to use but it's kind of fun what say you black phillips safe you are wicked ellie's plating or braiding his hair there she had a very good relationship with charlie the goat they got along very well i'd never hurt caleb nor Sam, nor the... You beat me. There was a, the, the actors had a week of rehearsal getting to become a family, getting to know each other, trust each other. It was very crucial uh, that, you know, we again, that we see that love. Uh, but also there was, you know, sort of an animal training period, and, and Anya spent a long time learning how to milk goats, which was much more difficult than she expected. And, in fact... Anna, the, the goat trainer, had to come in and sometimes actually milk the goat. I think, I think Ralph looks very handsome in this scene, I must tell you. This was another scene that was cut very easily because the performances were just so good. This is not the same. This is unnatural providence. I know not that. Look at my son. There is some pressure to cut this scene because it's sort of, you know, long and not super plotty, but I think, again, we really need it to, to get into Catherine, to really understand her three-dimensionality. Uh, and I mean, and I, I just, I just love it. What are you doing? We're back to the plantation in the morning. Find a good family for Thomasin. We'll take Caleb to the doctors. He'll tell him. And this, um, this the upstairs, this garret was actually uh, built in that derelict lumber mill. It was not uh, the downstairs of the house was uh, on location. But because this was so tight, uh, we decided, or Craig Lathrop uh, kind of insisted, and he, rightly so, that we build this um, on a stage. So, so he created uh, a way in which we could uh, lift up the the thatch, uh, sort of like um, like you know there were there were doors, so that we could have you know wild the walls and and uh, have people move in and out. We we were never putting the camera in a in a place that was sort of outside the space because I don't really like that. I, I don't, it starts to feel artificial, but it it helped the crew maneuver in that really tiny space, uh, which was actually much bigger than is accurate. We had to en enlarge it anyway in order to shoot in, um, and this house is is uh, is 
is too big, they wouldn't have built such a large house. They also probably wouldn't have built a garret at all um, because the the amount of time that it would have taken William and Caleb to pit saw all those boards would have been insane, or the cost of the to to buy the the the, the planks from a frontier lumber mill would have been very prohibitive. Uh, but I felt we needed another location to create some more visual interest. Uh, and I also like the Hansel and Gretel moment of the children listening uh, to their parents. Uh, I mean, Kate's just so damn powerful in this scene. And in many tears for the assurance of the pardon of me sins. And I was so ravished with his love towards me. I thought it far exceeded and Ralph too I mean good God the, you know very brave to I mean there's no um, traditional makeup in this film like no traditional movie makeup to make people look nice like uh, uh, you know to hide blood vessels to hide any imperfections uh, you know any makeup was added by Tracy Loader to make people look worse, <laughs> you know, and uh, and she she does break down work on on both uh, Ralph and Kate to make them progressively look uh, worse throughout the film, and I thank them for you know letting themselves look like human beings and not like actors. That way we can feel that they're farmers. Also notice Ralph rolls his R. He he, in that Ralph Ralph, had Williams Yorkshireisms come out like extra hard in in times of emotional stress. Bill hook that they're all using is a very common tool in English agriculture from the period. I just love her feet dangling there, by the way, uh, but it, and it was. Um, I don't know. I don't know why it didn't really stick around here, but they use them in England still, but I don't know. That's maybe a little goofy with him carrying the kid in, but he looks a little bit like a, a rugby ball. Um, very proud of this scene. Uh, I mean, it, it's not—it's not a perfect scene by any means, but it was—it was the most difficult scene to shoot. Uh, it was a very long page count, like 17 pages or something like that. I feel—I feel like everyone had said that this was the longest page count that they had done. Uh, and while it was very, the whole film was very meticulously. Uh, storyboarded or uh, not storyboarded shot listed i don't like to storyboard if i can avoid it but shot listed by jaron and i this scene we kind of threw our hands up and realized it, we need to work with the actors so this scene was rehearsed just so much and it was fun it was like you know rehearsing a play and trying to figure it out organically and we knew that if this scene didn't work that it was really going to be it just the whole film would fall flat afterward um so uh I think more than any scene, uh, this is just so collaborative. The shots are very much shots that Jaron was coming up with, watching 
the actors, uh, you know, work on this scene. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and also Harvey's performance, you know, I, I, I thank Kate uh, and Ralph and Scott, Harvey's father, but especially Ralph, for all the work they did with Harvey. I knew I needed uh, extra help here to get Harvey to to really nail this scene. And uh, Ralph directs Shakespeare with children, uh, and he drilled a ton with Harvey to help him get the muscle control uh, to to do all these things. Uh, and and Scott was drilling. They're all just just drilling, 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 drilling the dialogue, the whole thing, so that uh, Harvey would be prepared to do this scene. And uh, Ralph helped me understand that he needed to be coached, like as if this were a, a soccer game, because you know I was an arty farty kid uh, who would have been beat up by kids like Harvey when when I was in school. And and Harvey's more of like a normal kid. He's more of a bloke. I think when he first came to Canada, he kind of wished he were at home playing soccer instead um but uh he was really he was proud of his achievement in this scene and and as he should have been i mean the twins are really pretty great here too i really love this but um but uh you know and the other thing is harvey couldn't know uh the extent uh like he couldn't know the subtext of what was going on here he couldn't know the subtext of what he was saying. He couldn't know the subtext of the motions that he was making. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was tough. Uh, this was another scene that came, that was edited together fairly simply. Uh, Louise likes to say that's because it's the only scene that didn't have two angles. <laughs> so. Ralph's stillness in this scene is very effective. He also noticed that, I mean, obviously we would want this, the linens to be these kind of dark colors, but we were trying very hard to find bed linens with great texture, but the ones that would also be dark enough that uh, Harvey would appeal, appear extra pale. I mean, uh, he had makeup uh, as well, but, uh, but we were, you know, working all, across all teams to make him look... As, as pale as we could without it looking like a, an artificial makeup job. Very important to me that this year is all, you know, one shot. It had to be one shot. We had to. Or are we about to cut? <laughs> but in any case, no, no, we don't. Uh, but in any case, yeah, I mean, because just to stay with him through this to the moment that we see uh, that his jugular is not pulsing anymore, uh, you know, I mean, it really it helps us believe. Take me to thy lap. <laughs> and and I mean, I don't think we're too too aware of unless you're a filmmaker of the one takiness of it because I think that uh, the camera operation is very excellent here and and that it really f is led by Harvey's performance and not by and, and 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 his performance is not led by the marks he needs to hit. So I do think that unless you're like a film loser, uh, you're just kind of watching the scene. 
Ralph's stillness. I think I already said that, but Ralph's stillness in the scene is great. <laughs> Kate wondered if she should have done a version where she was quiet, but I don't think so. This scene also took the longest to shoot. <clears throat> I think it was like three days, maybe. Which was not normal on this shoot. That was only 25 days plus an insurance day and a couple pickups. For three and a half million dollars, that's a, a nice amount of time, but for what we were trying to do, it was rough. So, in the script, they're supposed to be sitting in front of a, enormous old oak trees, but there are just, like, no oak trees around uh, this far north where we were shooting. And we spent a lot of time scouting to see if there was a place off, off the farm that would have a, a big-ass oak tree. We couldn't find it, and this tag alder is better. I like that it's kind of pitiful, and I like that William talks about it as being a, a pretty tree and, and, and instead of a great tree or whatever the hell it's said in the script. It just pretty seems like a word that wouldn't really come out of his mouth. I think Ralph suggested pretty uh, when we were trying to rewrite this, and... Um, and I, you know you can picture this small tree with the white blossoms that these tag alders make in the spring being quite pretty. And this scene's great. Uh, this is if I, I I don't I keep saying how great everything is, but like by the way, like I can't stand watching this movie. But this this is scene I get into anyway. Uh, I really love Anya in this scene, and 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 how she and Ralph play off each other is so strong. Uh, this was another audition scene that, I mean, you know, Anya came in doing this like this on the day. They they did maybe to about here, maybe a, a little further, and it was so strong. Um, and and then you know, on set, really really bringing it. A lot of the stuff that William says here. Uh, is is, is what an, an Elizabethan man's words to his wife, who he was trying to convince, was not uh, actually a witch. She had, I think, killed their children by burning their house down. And actually, some of the stuff that he's saying in his desperation is kind of against Calvinist dogma. But, uh, you know, he loves his daughter. You took him with this cup of rail at me. You confessed not till it was too late. Is that true? I will not. Here's where we need that that, that Anya strength. You took Caleb to the wood and let me take the blame of that too. Is that true? You let mother be as thy master. You cannot bring the crops to yield. You cannot hunt. Is that true enough? Enough. Thou canst do nothing save cut wood. But you will not hear me! Must I hear the devil wag his tongue in thy mouth? As the twins, then. Constant battle to keep the the coifs, the the bonnets on the on the young women's heads. The the way that Kate's was designed was very much to cover all of her hair, but this sort of like just showing uh, an inch of 
your hairline business proved very difficult. I wish we could have just stapled them into their skulls. From my side. Just then that goat won't be with us all farm. Mr. Wolf stole some. I never saw no wolf. Mercy told me herself by the stream, I be the witch of the wood. Cut up. <laughs> this shot was fun to shoot. The sky looked great there. This was a, a tough shot because Lucas was chewing on a piece of hard candy and he kept lying that he had swallowed it and then we would get up to their faces and he would be screwing around sucking on it and he kept lying and lying and lying take after take and so finally I had to put my fingers in his mouth and pull the damn thing out <laughs> this was another scene where my instincts were wrong about things and I wanted a very different kind of performance from Anya here that she couldn't give me uh, and so instead I said, all right, well, be, uh, you know, vengeful. And uh, because that seemed to be the only thing that was going to happen, and it was really right. So her inability to do what I was doing in my head was her instincts telling her this is just wrong. Wake! Wake from this! And Ralph had been pretty beat up by the goat in this scene, and later on when he's picking up the the, the um, Lucas by the scruff of his neck, uh, it was really physically hard on him because we had to do a lot of takes to get it right. Decembers, grey pretenders all, hear me this. I will not play a fool to children's games. I like his darkness in this scene. Very, very potent. I do not lie. Silence, creature! Silence, creature. That's something we need to say more. Gala did what cry Jesus. The devil. They'll know it not. The devil will speak the scripture too. They'll know it not. It's not true. We are damned. Wake! That's the billock wife. And I will smite Jonas as Abraham would have done his seed. No, stop it! Fetch the billock and I will stop dash it. his skull! Do you see? Stop it. Do you see now? This is a cool music cue uh, by by Mark Corvin, uh, beating his cello into bits. If that old Billy be the devil, I'd have danced with him myself. I'll break the out upon the door, and we'll set back to the plantation. Think on my sins. too sunny behind them. Witches. <sighs> yeah, just too sunny. Are you? But that's life, folks. Does he really speak to thee? Wish the shot was a bit longer, but I think Charlie gets up at that point. So we made it as long as it could be. Here's that tag alder again. This is my favorite shot in, in the film. 
uh, big surprise. Um, we didn't use any atmosphere, um, like any fog, like the way you would in a, in a Hammer horror movie. I would have liked to have, but we just didn't have the money to do it in a way that wouldn't have looked Hammer. It wouldn't. It would have looked out of control. But um, the chimney smoke is, you know, a fog machine. So sometimes that chimney spo- smoke ends up spreading out and working atmosphere as the atmosphere around, which it was very uh, helpful for us in the end. And Harvey was really in there, in the grave, which made a big difference. And I remember when we were shooting that shot of Ralph, every parent on set was in tears. Every single parent on set was in tears. Speaking of tears, I believe that this scene is the first time Ralph Einson uh has ever cried in front of anyone (laughs) uh being a very hard yorkshire man uh this was a big deal and a lot of people tell me this is their their favorite moment in the film and i I like it jaron hates how white his shirt is and feels that it is uh not accurate to how your eye would render that in moonlight and so on the next film if we are wearing white outside in the moonlight uh, jaron would request that we have the costume department uh do a double that's um substantially darker uh, this is uh you know, the kind of specificity that goes into Jaren's incredible work. I lie before thee, a coward. Ralph looks like, uh, you, you know, a wooden carving of a, of a saint, like a Tillman Riemann Schneider Northern Renaissance carving. Uh, it's pretty, he just... It's such a great, such a great face. Save my children. I beg thee, my Christ. I have not damned my family. The eating dirt is something that I read about. Uh, Charles Hambrook Stowe talks about the idea of pious... Puritans licking the dust of the earth in, in repentance. It's almost ritualistic in a way that it seems sort of Catholic, so I'm surprised, but it does show a lot of humility. This uh, this was a tough scene to shoot, and it was really hard on Kate because Kate's so emotionally connected to things, and she had tons and tons and tons and tons of marks and the camera work was really difficult and i think it was it was hard for her to uh to feel like she i think she felt like you know i cared more about the damn camera than her here check out the silver cup behind her not everyone notices it but there there it is the vision of the silver cup Uh, But she does an incredible job, and Kate, I'm sorry, and uh, I'll never do that to you again. Um, 
we really lucked out that the baby never cried uh, when we were doing this part of it. Angels. Harvey took this very seriously. It was fun working with him on it. He was... Kevin, the, uh, for the, the first AC, hated that he lost focus at that moment. Like, he was beating himself up about it, like, constantly. And But, you know, Kevin, it's pretty cool, actually. I think it's nice. Uh, I think it adds to the weirdness of it, actually. Also, this is shot at 27 frames. All of the sort of supernatural moments are shot at a slightly high frame rate, uh, 27 or 29 when Caleb sees the witch, when the witch flies towards the moon, blah, blah, blah. The clickety-clackety sound is a sound that took a long time to find. I think even after this premiered at Sundance, we went back and had a look at it. Um, very, very hard. And that was actually came from my brother, my younger brother, who read some version of Baba Yaga when he was in elementary school that talked about the sound of her mortar and pestle going through the woods uh, was something that really scared him as a kid and uh, and I thought that was nice so it was incorporated into into the script so that was also 27 frames or something this is also another dream image of mine uh I mean, there's, you know, filmic things too, but this sort of many dreams of approaching an, an old crone-like witch from the back. I, I didn't have a dream that she was suckling goat's teats, but... Uh, and I, I guess I would sort of wake up from my dream maybe four frames earlier than that. <laughs> now, this raven was extremely well-trained. One take. Uh... Uh, Kate was wearing a prosthetic breast, obviously, but that raven was very, very well trained. Uh, and, but it was terrifying. God, we were we were all like holding each other in terror. Now, this scene is actually my favorite scene in the film um, of Ralph getting up and just realizing, oh fuck, my life is shit. <laughs> Who knows what he was dreaming? Uh, but that moment, I love. And, and here is just good uh, camera work and blocking and imagery, cinematic, cinema being cinema and, and blah, 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 and dirty farmers, shirts, and subtle performances, bloody nipple reveals. The thing is, everyone's all recovering from the raven that no one notices Ralph there. This, this is also a really great Ralph moment. I mean, he looks utterly dead we talked about uh getting really wasted and being extremely hungover uh but he he did this with his acting and some help from tracy but i've seen ralph hungover so i i know that this is even worse The 
famous rearing goat. He did. He did rear a lot. It is true. He did. He did rear a lot uh, for us in this, but we had a hard time covering this scene. It was. It was tough. And and again, Lou just made it all work with the goat. That shot had multiple trainers holding him still. It had to be CG'd out. <laughs> The firewood is too much like modern firewood. It's too uniform. But there was so much of it that we had to just buy cords of wood. We had to reshoot the firewood collapse. We had to do that a couple times to get all the different plates right. And this, the pace of this was also changed very, very slightly by like three seconds or something like that, or 11 frames or something after Sundance. Jaren and I had shot a close-up of William's face, his bleeding face. Uh, that was we thought was really crucial, and one of our investors from RT, Sophie Moss, was very confused by why we included it, and she was right; it didn't make any damn sense. Where are they? Adam Stein's sound of her hand grabbing her hair is really great. There. You have that blood upon thy hands. When we shot this, I mean, Kate was so fucking crazy. Like, we were all by the monitor just thinking, this is the craziest shit we've ever seen. You have made a sin. You reek of evil. You have made a covenant with brother. You bewitched thy brother, proud slut. Did you not think I saw? I swore to show to him. Bewitching his eyes, any harm. And I saw the net. You took them from me. They are gone. This was, a, I mean, a, as you can imagine, a very emotionally intense scene to shoot. Uh, it was very scary. It was uh, very hard on Anya and Kate. Uh, it was. It was intense, but they, they gave it their all. There was another take where the blood just went like straight, like sh straight to her mouth. <laughs> The sound of the bill hook is a little too, bit too horror, a little too, and it's a little too hot in the mix for me. But there's no way to hear it with all the other stuff going on, unfortunately. But it just sounds a little bit too genre cliche. I mean, these two were just uh, a, a mess after shooting all this. I mean, 
thank goodness, uh, you know, I was able to cast good people. I was really going out of my way to cast people who were good, kind people who could take care of each other. I love the sounds of the birds. That Those are from a set, but it's sort of... Birds don't give a shit, like, what's going on. They're, they're just trying to be birds. Also, I don't know, maybe it's a rebirth kind of thing. Whatever, whatever you want to read into it. And her drunken step to the side is nice. I also like the the corn hanging, drying on the side of the house, you know, that is kind of up on people's doors around Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, people don't even really know what it's about, but it was part of the, the drying of the, the flint corn, part of the process. So here, that's Caleb's grave. This shot was not very well articulated. People just think that the woods are calling her, but that's actually Caleb's grave, and the idea is that she's... Uh, feeling alone, uh, like even Caleb's gone. But we didn't do such a good job with that shot. <laughs> Freeing herself of the confines of Puritan society, if I can tell you what to think about a scene. <laughs> This scene was shot before lunch one day, we, and it was we were just trying to like get it done. And uh, I don't. I, there was a back and forth with Jaren and I about whether it needed to be faster or slower. I pro probably whatever it was, Jaren was right, but um, but we did a lot more takes than anyone wanted us to do right before lunch. I know that, and it was hard to to for. And yet to you know unlace her her body body or bodice, uh, but they were called bodies back then in a very smooth way. This was another, this was the last shot on the farm location. It was another, uh, another uh, toughie. Here, uh, there's an animal trainer uh, in the goat shed who's, you know, calls Charlie to, to walk in uh, that, uh, you know, cinemagic. <laughs> Come here, Charlie. Come here, Charlie. Good boy. Good boy, Charlie. Good boy. Simple as that. This is cool, cool little, uh, cool little piece by Corvin here. Originally, I wanted to have uh, Black Phillip's horns sort of dirtying this shot in the foreground, but we didn't have the rig made in time uh but i'm glad we didn't do that it would have been stupid it's much better for it to be clean and this is also i think 27 frames the jaren did some incredible work to light this scene like if you had seen the setup 
you'd never have believed it. It was all candlelight, but he had candles in this weird circle around her with uh, diffusion cut out in strange shapes. I mean, it was quite a wild thing. What dost thou want? What canst thou give? Love Black Phillip's voice here. Taste of butter. A pretty dress. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Yes. All the things that the devil says here are, are things from texts that I found. Living deliciously and butter and the whole thing. Craig spent so much time on that devil's book it, it, to look, barely be seen. <laughs> also, the 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 puppet of goat hoof that then is replaced by the cavalier boot, and this costume, this very elaborate cavalier costume covered with gold and jewels and spurs and cockerel feathers and uh, this insanely custom-made beaver hat and the earrings and all this shit. You don't see any of it. <laughs> and you don't. You barely see Wahab, uh, who's the most handsome man you've ever seen in your life, uh, playing the devil here. And, I mean, he was devilishly handsome. And this whole last sequence to the end, I believe, is 29 frames. Uh the the way the witches were moving was something that I had a hard time trying to articulate aside from an abstraction. And accidentally, when I was in Toronto prepping, I accidentally started watching all these YouTube, stumbled across YouTube clips of Japanese buto dancing. Uh, and I was like, this is it. Buto is the way into this. And I Googled buto Toronto, and it turned out that this incredibly talented woman, Denise Fujiwara, is one of the greatest Buto choreographers in the world, uh, and she was in Toronto. And she had a group of women of all different ages, shapes, and sizes, uh, you know, from 19 to 65 or so, uh, who were Buto dancers and down to be naked and down to be witches. And she choreographed this uh, incredible stuff and uh, helped choreograph the way they look when they're flying. And uh, and really, you know, made the ending of this film uh, powerful, uh, along with, of course, Anya's incredible performance uh, and Corvin's insane score. I mean, the Element Choir here, they they terrified the sound engineers when they were doing this chanting, which, by the way, is in a Nokian uh, language discovered by Dr. D alchemist to queen elizabeth it's not exactly folk magic but i have my reasons for choosing it um it's fun very goya-esque and this shot of anya was the very very last shot of principal photography uh i think it was the last take too um we did it as a series without cutting we just kept resetting but it was i think a it was probably a 22-hour day, and Annie had been waiting to do this, and it, we kept pushing and pushing, and she was tired and delirious, and I think it helped. Uh, it helped. 
thank Kyle Campbell, uh, who was the uh, online editor, because the the titles uh, kept changing constantly, like right up until the last last minute. I think, and after Sundance again, we had to go in and adjust the titles again. I mean, Kyle was redoing these titles so many damn times, and uh, there was you know new investors coming in at the last minute, which he raised an eyebrow to. <laughs> it was pretty wild. I also love the end credit music. I actually like the end credit music better than I like the entire movie. Um, and here's another case where I, did, I wanted just the, 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 the two pieces that uh, are, are used here are the two pieces that I want, wanted. They were from some early music album that I had found uh, and I wanted them to be just played on strings uh, but Corvin s said you know the the woman who uh, who I'm sorry I forgot her name I never met her. her her name will be in the credits soon but you know she's a she's an early music singer and she specializes in Elizabethan and uh, you know singing it and stuff and I was like well you know I'd rather just have it be strings but let's give it a shot why, why not you know and uh, and I love it. I just love it. And she she found all the sheet music for this stuff. Uh, she's a real specialist. And she played uh, many of the period instruments on this film, the viols and viola da gamba, and uh, she plays a lot of the complicated nickel harpa parts. Uh, Mark Corvin himself plays nickel harpa quite a lot. Um, but uh, well, anyway, I, I thank I thank them. Uh, I also want to give a, a shout out to Charlene, who uh, worked on costumes with uh, with Linda, and Charlene was so dedicated to this film and the uh, meeting house scene. I mean, she was, you know, along with some others in the middle of the woods, sewing aprons and sewing linen coifs and sewing, uh, you know, collars and all this stuff because. We had to. We, we a lot of those costumes were rented from Italy, and the Italian uh, fashion from the 17th century was a little bit more loud. So she needed to. She just took so much care to puritanize it, and I I thank her so much for that. So, all right, uh, the credits are almost over, and I've been yapping a lot. So uh, I hope you enjoyed the film. I hope you learned something in the commentary. And thanks again to the incredible cast and crew, uh, my incredible uh, creative producers and investors for making this film happen. Thanks.